0: This show has explicit language and mature themes. John, will you play us that intro lick? explanations. I'm Dexter Sorensen. I look some stuff up on Wikipedia and I'm gonna explain it to my friend David Gerondale. What's the deal, David? Hey, hey. not too much. How you doing? I'm doing swell and that's good. Right on. <laughs> what are we <laughs> gonna learn about? We're gonna be talking about depth perception and stereoscopy. Okay, yeah. Yeah. We so, did vision,
1: now we're, this is double vision.
0: Yeah, double vision. This This episode's got glasses. <laughs> um, <laughs> now featuring classes <laughs> Yeah uh, But we'll start with depth, perc- depth perception So a lot of different things contribute to depth perception And they're pretty much divided into two categories Monocular and binocular visual cues Okay So let's talk about monocular cues first And the first one is the apparent size of an object, and that's pretty simple. Right, things that are closer to you take up more of your visual field than things that are further away from you.
1: Especially if your brain has like a category built for that thing. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. It knows that like, you know, your buddy is not as tall as a building, and so like if they appear as tall as a building, they're probably at different
0: distances. Yeah. Another one is motion parallax. And parallax refers to the apparent difference in position of an object when viewed from different locations. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, of mm. course. It, it's like the stars don't move that much when you move. Yeah.
1: The sun doesn't move that much when you move. It's a good cue that it's pretty far away.
0: Yeah, it's like when you're moving, mm. you notice things that are closer to you appear to move more and you're more than things farther away. Like when you're on a road and you're looking through lines of crops as by, but the mountains te- seem to somewhat stay put.
1: Right, right. And your brain just, like, it has, like, a grid overlaid over everything. It has a pretty good understanding of how space functions relative to your position.
0: Yeah. And astronomers rely heavily on parallax to determine distance to objects in space. Okay, yep. um, By measuring the apparent change in position of stars when the Earth is on opposite sides of its orbit around the sun. Gotcha, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: because other than that, you can't really use... Brightness, except with uh, these things called Cepheid variables. Stars. Yeah, they
0: actually there's like tons of different ways to measure distance, but the base the base level starting point is always a parallax angle. Actually, parsecs, astronomers' favorite distance, is defined as the distance at which one astronomical unit subtends an angle of one arc second. So let's break that down. Gotcha. A bit. Okay. Um, One astronomical unit is roughly the distance between Earth and the sun, or about 93 million miles.
1: Or about eight light minutes.
0: Yeah. Um, So when you look at a celestial object from vantages that are 93 million miles apart, an object that is one parsec away will have an apparent change in location equal to one arc second.
1: Right, and as we've discussed before, what we're talking about is, like, uh, like pretend when you look up at the sky, you're in an observatory.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, the entire field around you is a 360 degree. Right, and it
1: equals, um, well, it's just like a clock, basically. Yeah. At that point, it breaks down the way a clock would. Yep, hours, minutes, seconds. seconds. And so, like, you can imagine, if you just dis- d- divide 360 degrees... Of um, visual field into 24 hours, and then divide those into minutes and seconds. We're talking about one second of, yeah, of yeah. change,
0: so like a really small change. Mm-hmm. But uh, so yeah, the that would be the the distance. Like if you imagine a triangle from the two ob- observation points that are an astronomical unit apart, the distance to the thing you're looking at will have changed where it is by one arc second when you observe them from the two different space, spaces. Right, yep. And the distance to that object will be one parsec.
1: Gotcha, yep.
0: Yeah. Um. Let's talk about oculation.
1: Oculation. <laughs> yeah,
0: oculation basically means when one thing is in front of another thing, you can tell the thing in front is closer. Okay. It's Yeah, it's just really jargon-heavy way to say that. Oh, really? All right. Yeah. This mic in front of your face is definitely closer to me than it is to you, because I can see the mic in your face.
1: Yeah, it blocks me. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, Makes sense. And another monocular clue, cue, is texture gradient, and that's how things that are closer to you are more vivid and have more textures.
1: Okay, yeah, of course. That makes sense. I had never even thought of that. But yeah, yeah, if, if you're dealing with extreme differences in distance, that would definitely be a serious cue.
0: Yeah. And so when people say that uh, people with one eye or one working eye have no depth perception, that's just completely wrong.
1: Yeah. You can actually prove that to yourself by just closing one eye and then successfully operating in three dimensions. Yeah. I never understood why that trope was so popular in television. Um, when it's just like so obviously falsifiable. (laughs) I mean, I guess it's kind of funny.
0: Binocular cues work more vividly. Yeah, of course, of course. And you have like a better a better image, and like three like you your brain forms a better three D image. Yeah, but but still, you
1: don't actually see the world in two dimensions as soon as you close one eye. No, huh? And so. (laughs) <laughs> that's kind of proof enough that yeah. uh, you don't lose all of your depth
0: perception when you lose an eye. Truth. Let's talk about binocular cues. And the first one is called Stereopsis. And Stereopsis is a term that refers to depth perception that occurs because of binocular vision or having two eyes. And that's because each eye receives a slightly different image in the visual cortex of the brain. Processes the differences to create perception of depth.
1: It's basically, in a sense, it's kind of like triangulation.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, and the differences are called binocular disparities.
1: Oh, binocular disparity. I like that.
0: Yep. Um, another way that binocular vision gives you cues to depth is by convergence, and convergence is how when you look at really close objects, you go cross-eyed. Mm. And when you look at an object that is really far away, your eyes diverge until they're parallel.
1: Gotcha. Okay, we talked yeah. about
0: this uh, in a little bit on vision in the vision episode. That episode's so bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when your eyes are diverged to parallel, you are said to have infinity focus.
1: Okay. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. we ta- we did we talked about that a little yeah. bit. So, uh,
0: but we're like a fine wine. We be- we get better over time. <laughs> exactly. Imagine us next year. Um, but yeah, so convergence is like crossing your eyes and diverging, diverging your eyes is uncrossing your eyes, so to say. Gotcha. Like,
1: yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. If you can imagine like invisible beams coming out of your eyes, they converge or when you're cross-eyed and they diverge or move when, away from each other when they're, when they're parallel.
0: Yep. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's cues. Binocular and monocular cues that allow for perception of depth. I have a small aside
1: on this. Um, me. You can kind of, You can kind of tell a lot about an animal's lifestyle, especially like mammals. Ooh, I wrote um,
0: about this and took it out, but let's talk about it.
1: Okay, you can kind of tell a lot about their lifestyle and how it is that they make uh, a living, so to speak, by where their eyes are set on their head. You yeah. can tell that depth perception and focus is incredibly important to them and their lifestyle. Um,
0: if their eyes if, are set forward.
1: Yes, exactly. If their eyes are set forward on the front of their face. Um,
0: and which is important for like predators, predators or mostly. animals or, that live in trees.
1: Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Like um, apes, you know, monkeys, that sort yeah. of thing. Um, because depth perception is so important to them. It outweighs the benefit given By
0: having a large range of view.
1: Exactly. So like if your eyes are on the side of your head, you can see a lot of you. In fact, if you look at-
0: Almost 360 degrees. Exactly.
1: Horses and the way their head is shaped, or if you look at the rabbits and the way their head is shaped, literally their skull indents at the level of their eyes so they can actually see behind them pretty clearly. They have a very small blind spot behind them and a very small blind spot right in front of them. But that vision field converges. So like- at a certain range, they have almost 360 degree vision. Yeah, uh, which is great for avoiding predators, but not that great if you're like, well, this thing is like uh, eight feet in front of me. I think I need to pounce on it to get it. Or it's, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, actually, Carl Sagan talked about that, and he said that if we ever found like complex, if we ever found complex life on another planet, then we we would also find that the predators there have eyes set in the front of their head and yeah the rules of
1: evolution are just logical yeah
0: yeah exactly they're
1: just logical they would apply anywhere we go Mm -hmm. um you know evolution works with the body format it has for the most part like things what i mean by that is things are more different inside than outside like all tetrapods which is to say lizards turtles mammals um most backboned land animals we all have like the same basic format because it's hard to change macroscopic things, mm-hmm. but like on the enzyme level, we're all very very different. Yeah. Um and really well suited to our very specific lifestyles, and it- you would find the same thing on another planet. They might
0: have a different general layout,
1: but the principles would be the same.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um so yeah, that's uh that's depth perception. Let's move on to stereoscopy. Gotcha. So stereoscopy is a technique that is used to create an illusion of depth where each eye is presented an image that is slightly offset from the other. The brain then combines the image to create the illusion of depth. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so a stereoscopic image is called a stereogram.
1: Gotcha. Like those little things. Did you grow up with
0: those too? Viewfinders.
1: Uh, view we put the slide in yeah, there?
0: That's, yeah. We'll, we're going to talk about that, but we're going to go somewhat chronologically. Okay. So the first stereoscope was invented by Sir Charles Wheatstone in 1838. And what they were is they were a pair of mirrors at a 45 degree angle to each eye. And so each eye was looking at a different drawing on the, on to the sides. Right. Um and the drawings were used because his stereoscope came out the year before the first practical photographic process became available.
1: Wow, that surprised me. I did not
0: realize yeah. that that is an impressive amount of foresight exactly. I mean, I think they were being developed but hadn't been like practically and a lot like, of new inventions. Practical. no one can see the
1: like what the they're going to become. The
0: ramifications. Thank you. Yeah. Like the the social ramifications of it. Mm-hmm. So the next type was created by David Brewster, and he used lenses and made a small handheld device that looks kind of like a Viewmaster. Okay. And apparently Queen Victoria fucking loved it when she saw it at the Great Exhibition of 1850-something. The, that was the one in the Crystal <laughs> actually, Palace. I actually wrote the date down as 185. <laughs> 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 Shit. Uh, yeah. Um. So yeah, but yeah, those... there's the one in the Crystal Palace, correct? I think so. Um, so yeah, the Viewmasters, let's talk about those. They're those uh, stereoscopes that people are most familiar with. They got those pairs of exchangeable slides on cardboard reels with seven different images. Right, yep. They came about in 1939, four years after the advent of Kodachrome film. Um, with Kodachrome film, it became possible to have small, high-quality color film. Oh. And so oh, four okay. years after that, they came up with the Viewmaster. Dang, Seems like that's pretty, pretty si- fast. Yeah.
1: Right. Have you ever seen a tin type in person?
0: Those old metal plates
1: that they used to expose um, oh, um, images onto? So you'd have a
0: photograph, but it'd be on a piece of metal. Uh yeah, shit. I was reading about those. Yeah. Um, I, uh, my grandma had
1: an old tin type of my, my great-grandfather in the Dragoons. Oh, really?
0: Yeah. Did it have a stereoscopic image? No, or... no, it did not, no. God, what's it called? A daguerreotype? Is that what it's called? Ooh, I think I they're called daguerreotypes. I have no idea. I've just heard tin type. Yeah, I think they're called daguerreotypes. Okay. Just really
1: quickly, the <laughs> other thing that makes sure. me think of is I feel like things have changed so quickly in such a short amount of time that... Aspects of our childhood, we had more in common with a kid growing up in 1940s America than we have in common with kids growing up today. <laughs> yeah. Like, think about that. I doubt yeah. those Viewmasters are that popular anymore. Oh, no. Whereas, huh? like, tons I of kids had them when I was growing I up. I haven't seen one. Like, No, I, I, I've not seen one in decades. When I was coming over here, I thought... Well, not decades, but a long time.
0: Yeah, when I was coming over here, I was thinking about the Instagram posts that I'd be making, and then I was like, shit, could I even find a Viewmaster at, like, a fucking... A thrift store? Yeah. Like would I have to go on Craigslist? I'm probably just gonna like have a picture of lemon. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and they were at like every store back yeah, in the day. Yeah, like, they were really popular. Um, honestly the first stereotype, this uh first stereoscope, or rather the one that Queen Victoria was all about, uh, that was really popular. And like okay. was like pretty much everywhere. That makes sense. Everybody loved everything she loved. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Even like down to the color blue when she wore blue. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's talk about magic eyes.
1: Magic eyes. All right. Yeah.
0: This is actually like when I started this episode it was just gonna be about magic eyes, but then I was like, I guess we gotta go back a little bit. I don't know if I've heard of this. Uh the magic eye books. Oh,
1: those. I was just talking to my coworker about those. Yeah. I freaking the, love those. The Magic Eye books. Oh, uh, you ever they, meet those people who can't do it at all? Yeah. And you're like, yeah. dude, just unfocus your eyes. Man. Um,
0: well, we'll talk. Yeah. They came out in 1933, and they're filled with what's called auto stereograms. And auto stereograms are single images with repeating horizontal patterns. And then when you, when looked at with divergence or uncrossing your eyes a little, the repeating patterns overlap, and the small differences in the repeating pattern tricks your brain into thinking you're looking at a three-dimensional object.
1: Yep. Uh, so cool. I had a yeah. poster of
0: uh, some dinosaurs in my bedroom. Yeah, you can, you can think of it as looking through the image, so your focus will be behind the image. Right. Yep. Um, and the interval of repetition can be changed on certain parts of the repeating pattern to create the illusion of depth. Okay. So that's how they do it. Okay. Like uh
1: I see. So like at the edges of the three D object, what looks to be a completely repeating pattern is actually like the the repetition may be shortened.
0: Yeah. In like a very on this,
1: specific computer generated fashion yeah. to give you the and idea. you can even
0: you can even in, inlay uh image of something and you can have the closer parts of the object have a closer repeating pattern. Okay. And yeah, that creates the illusion of closer depth. Gotcha. Yep. Um, and uh, actually, it's kind of weird, but whenever I look at a magic eye, the foreground is always the closest apparent thing, and the image is always like an impression into the object, oh, and weird. I always wondered why I was doing it wrong. I always thought it was kind of like a, one of those weird cubes that you look at that you can either see it as the cube going outward or inward. Or inward, yeah. But I figured it out while looking into this. Okay, because i never heard uh, that. Yeah, why it is is because um, I can't force myself to div- diverge my eyes, but converging my eyes is really easy for me. So I always oh, sh- just go cross-eyed to look at them. Oh. And uh that makes them go inward. At least I Weird. think that's my hypothesis. Okay. Um Yeah, so I should uncross my eyes, but I can't really do that. It takes a little bit for me, so, like especially
1: if I haven't done it in a little while. It's like difficult at first, and then once you get the the hang of it, it becomes like yeah. really easy.
0: But like for me, I've always done the uh convergent way so like I can even look at like a brick wall and cross my eyes a little bit so they converge oh okay or like just anything there's this whole subreddit called cross view um where they just present two images that are taken from about eye eye width apart and then you can like cross your eyes in order to make them like a 3d image oh interesting. kind of like okay. a auto kind of like a stereogram that you just force on yourself okay um
1: I know it's it's used in acting sometimes, too. Like, you're expected to be able to, um, for instance, especially if you're doing a scene with, like, CGI things. Yeah. Um, if there doesn't happen to be necessarily, like, a, a real-life cue for that, which they try to use most of the time. But, like, in a lot of dramatic stage acting, they expect you to, like, focus on an invisible point in space. Like, pick a point in space do that doesn't necessarily have an object and do that. Because people can tell when you're... Looking at looking something close th- versus yes, looking at something far exactly. away. Exactly, they can tell just by looking at your eyes where, like, how, w- what distance they're focusing on.
0: Yeah, and uh, like a lot of people have used, or sorry, a lot of people, like back in World War II, they used uh, stereogram aerial aerial stereograms in order to find out like Nazi movements, right? And to right. To detect like like just basically where they were with camouflage, and they had these like cool. Cool little lenses to look through, and like really nice uh, microscopes use stereos- stereoscopic vision in order to make like whatever you're looking at appear 3D. Oh, and yeah, like okay. binocular microscopes sort or of a thing. I
1: wondered why that. Okay, that's cool. Yeah,
0: uh, let's talk about red cyan glasses and 3D. Cyan? Cyan. <laughs> cyan. Cyan. <laughs> cyan. Red cyan glasses. They're called an anaglyph 3D. (laughs) So the red filtered side only lets you see the reddened part of an image, and the blue filtered side only lets you see the blued part of an image. Right, right. And so the difference gets put together like a regular stereoscope in your mind. And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of like how the 3D glasses work. They just only allow you to see the the reddened part of the movie.
1: Right, yeah, exactly. Like they're basically they're like selectively it's not polarized, because that's a different thing. No. But, yeah. Um yeah, it's just like selectively blocks light to trick your brain.
0: Yeah. Um modernly they do use polarized lenses.
1: And so yeah, if you if you take off your glasses and look at the screen, you can tell that there's two images overlaid on top of each other. Yeah. Because every line is blurry and kind of like fuzzed mm-hmm. out and everything.
0: And so, yeah, like uh, Polarizing lenses—they only allow light coming from one direction to come in, right? But and direction s- is in like like angle, angle um, of the wavelength, right? Like it's—it's it's actually not no, the angle that it's coming I think it's in that at. Actually, direction, like that, it's coming in at. Like uh, I thought,
1: polarizing lenses. Polarizing lenses block a specific
0: light. wavelength.
1: No, no, no! Not at a wavelength, at the waves' direction. So, like. Light can be coming at me from a light bulb, right? And there is light coming at me from yeah. this light bulb right now. Well, it's it's disorganized in like some of it is coming at me, and it's vibrating. The waves are going diagonally, horizontally. Res, yeah, diagonally, horizontally, vertically, with reference to me. Um, and when I put on polarizing lenses, what that does is it prevents all of the light except that is lined up correctly. So let's say it's horizontally polarized. Only the light that is vibrating at a horizontal axis with reference to the lenses is going to pass through it. That's why you can take two polarizing lenses and pass them over each other and actually unpolarize them. Like if you take two Mm. polarizing lenses, pass them over each other, and then um, rotate them to the correct axis, you will see through them perfectly well. Okay. All light will pass through them again.
0: Interesting. Or appear to. Okay. But, yeah, so, like... uh, um, But the difference is they just get put together like a regular stereoscope, just kind of, like... So your brain just, like, sees the two different images and makes 3D image out of it.
1: Okay, that means they're actually making one image out of like completely horizontally facing well no I guess they can't control
0: how the light see, is see that's why emitted. I think it is angle wait no so because no they
1: could with LEDs I think they could with LEDs but no, they you do should it look with projectors
0: into... they do it with projectors in theaters they use two different projectors that are angled at different that are, have two different angles and then and then you put yeah on... but they
1: probably use LED projectors
0: yeah it's possible yeah, um, if you're
1: if you're admitting it with an LED, it's definitely not the angle. You should look into it. It's like yeah, it's really cool. Watch the Veritasium video on polarized lens.
0: Okay, I will. Um, he explains it way better than I do. <laughs> so yeah, we we done fucked up the polarization discussion because I didn't look it up well.
1: But go on Twitter and tell say whether you think I'm right or Dex is right, and then explain why.
0: Yeah, exactly. Oh, and uh, speaking of Twitter and uh, stuff on Twitter, I asked uh, Twitter. If they'd ever heard of No Room to Swing a Cat. Because I hadn't. Because you had. <laughs> Sorry, I hadn't. Yeah, you hadn't. But uh, I think eight people responded, and the majority, the slight majority, said that they had heard it. Kind of a skewed sample, though, because I like. You imagine that some of them might have heard the episode?
1: No, I imagine that more people. I'm more likely to respond to that question and not pass it by if I have heard of it. You're oh, like, okay. oh, yeah, 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 I know that.
0: Hmm. Yeah, you're right. But uh, so let's finish this episode by talking about VR shit, kind of. Okay,
1: VR shit, kind
0: of. Yeah, so VR shit is kind of like a Viewmaster, but it's with video. <laughs> and that's all I got to say about VR. Oh. <laughs> Wait. It's kind of Like the Viewmaster, like the VR oh, yeah, is guess- just... It's basically just projecting two different yeah videos videos like, onto your eyes.
1: I hadn't even actually like paid close attention, but yeah, whenever you look have like a VR headset on, you just your didn't. eyes are separated from. I mean, like they're
0: yeah. You're not looking at one one image, right? You got you got anything else you want to talk about with uh, depth perception and stereoscopy? Mm, nah, that World War Two thing that was super cool. Though. Yeah, yeah. How
1: how um, like. Because they're black and white images taken from a high elevation. And there's a lot of details Mm. that you can't see at all with a single image. But then as soon as you lay them uh, over each other and create a 3D image, it becomes really clear what you're looking at. That's not a bush. That's a tank.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, So that's it for this episode. Dexplanations, it's recorded at Rabbit Pen Studios in Eugene, Oregon. It's produced, edited, and provided them sweet licks by Jonathan Cunningham. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash Dexplanations or leave a review on iTunes. Thanks for T-I-N-P for their review on iTunes. I really liked your characterization of the show and it made me blush a little bit. And likely, (laughs) we got a bunch of things wrong. Like, we already know we got polarization shit wrong. Well, I know I got it right. (laughs) (laughs) I say we because I don't want to own up to it yet. Uh... So yeah, tell me about it, or if you just want to bullshit, hit me up at dexplanationspodcast at gmail.com, tweet me at dexplanations, comment on Instagram, or talk about it on subreddit. I'll bring it up in a later episode or do a new episode about it. You're the only thing that's making the show grow, so please tell someone to subscribe. We're starting to get more and more listeners, and you've played an integral role in that. Oh, and as for you, sometimes you're kind of weird, like in a good way. I think it's part of what makes you such a fun person to be around. Bye now.
1: Also, I just thought about how they did it with the uh, with the <laughs> projectors. Uh, they just have a polarizing lens on
0: the projector. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Okay. So then,
1: only that um, orientation of wave actually I, gets to the screen. Yeah,
0: I think you're. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Okay. Um, so we're still probably. Wrong about some stuff. Hit us up. We like interaction. Um. Bye now. <laughs> um. You got anything else you want to talk about with? Uh... Excuse me.